I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, June 11th, 2022, and this is episode 174 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is uh, I discovered... (laughs) because I received an email from someone who was trying to sell me something, that I had gotten a starred review for Savage City in Publishers Weekly. So what happened was, I went through the Book Life service for Publishers Weekly, and you can submit indie published books for potential reviews. I'd done that with Song of Blood and Stone, which when it was self-published, also got a star review way back in the day. So I was like, oh, my first self-published novel in years. I, I did this back, I think back in December, as soon as I had a finished version, which was you know three months before release date, I submitted it. I heard back a few weeks ago that they had accepted it to be reviewed, but I'd forgotten, because this happened to me before, that they don't actually tell you when it's published. So the good thing about having a publicist is that they will tell you when things happen. And I do have a Wario. I use a service that searches for my name and the name of my books online. And I get messages every day about when people are mentioning it. But it came right on the heels of the Monsters Redefy Publishers Weekly Review. And so I think that maybe it was there, but I was just, I kept seeing all these alerts and... I was like, oh, they just keep they keep alerting me over and over again about that book. Maybe some of them were actually for Savage City and I missed it because they came up about the same time. So the way I did find out was that uh, two different people emailed me. One person, like I said, was trying to sell me, or I think they were both trying to sell me something, but um, it was like the, the beginning of the email, the part that I see on the phone, the, little, the preview. You know, I saw, I read your star review of, of Savage City and I'm like, Savage City? Are you mean the monsters we defy? And then I looked and I'm like... Oh, so then I searched for it and I found it. And the really cool thing was that both reviews, both of them are star reviews, are on the same page. So I scrolled, I went to the page for Savage City, and there was one review under it, and then the third one was Monsters. And so I was like, I've got two star reviews for two books on the same page. And so I immediately did a screenshot and tweeted it. And uh, I was just really flabbergasted. Um, I was a little nervous about the Savage City review because I love that book. But the review average on Goodreads is not as high as I would have liked for it to be. And I had some friends kind of look through the reviews as I'm working on book two and working on trying to market more book one, Savage City, to see if I can pull things out. And as I was doing the branding exercise, I was looking for things that people were saying. And, um, you know, there's, I mean, obviously there's criticism. It's not a perfect book, but I, I just really liked it. So I was like, oh, when I got the email that they were going to be reviewing it, I was like, oh, they probably won't like it. <laughs> I probably won't be able to do anything with that. But whoever reviewed it did like it and really got what I was trying to do. And that's always the best thing. Like when someone reviews it and it's like, yes, you know, one of the lines was, um, you know, forces readers to reevaluate the dichotomy of hero and villain. And that is exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to really interrogate that, you know, we have a villain, but he's a complicated villain in Savage City. And, you know, he loves his daughter. This is the king, King Lyle. And he's very, you know, gentle and tender with her and and genuinely wants the best for her. And, you know, there's so much love in every part of that relationship, but he is a tyrant. And so... Also talking about mixing the high fantasy elements with the urban post-apocalyptic elements, which, you know, and from a marketing perspective is very difficult to do because people are seeing this as fantasy romance. I was 
trying to market it as paranormal and maybe it's not quite that. It makes it more difficult when you're kind of mashing up genres to clearly market it. But it is interesting to me as a writer and as a reader. So that was really amazing to see that and uh, surprising. So there are other things. This is actually a really busy week. Other great things happened, but it's one of those things where I can't talk to you about them yet. And I hate it when people are like, oh, I've got great news, but I can't tell you. Like, that's a pet peeve. And I don't want to do that. So I'd rather just not mention it. But in a podcast where I try to be transparent and tell you everything that's happening, I try to tell you as much as possible, but they're just things that, you know, I can't. But hopefully they will come out soon and I will be able to talk and we can celebrate together. (laughs) Writing update. I have almost 32,000 words in my draft of the Black Towns book. I'm at the middle. I've finally gotten to my fantastical world. And I was really looking forward to that because I felt like the second half of the book is much more smooth. I know what happens more than I did in the, in the first half. And, you know, the pace picks up. We get into more of a traditional fantasy adventure finally. And then I had to write the fantasy world that I realized I have not world-builded, world-builded, like at all. Like I've had this sort of vague vision in my mind and I've been working towards this all this time and I get there and I'm like, it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. I didn't actually say that, but, and then I'm like, oh, what does this place look like? What is the technology? I mean, I've got the basics, but I have in no way fleshed it out. So I was like, oh, do I world build now? Or do I push forward and just keep writing and getting to the end? And uh, that's always a hard question. World building goes hand in hand because there are things in the world that are going to create conflicts and um, solutions for conflicts. You know, initially I had given more thought to it and then I'd gotten some feedback from my editor and publisher when they initially reviewed the outline that I submitted which caused me to reevaluate a little bit of what I was doing with the fantasy world in a way that I, I agreed with. And I thought that was a you know a much more interesting, cool way to go. But it meant that some of the things I was thinking of, I'm just not sure if they're going to work now. And I just, I don't have that grounding that there was a way that I was going to ground it and sort of use as a root system and everything else would spring up from that. And not having that grounding, I'm much more free to do what I to do anything. But at the same time, you know, I need the boxes. So I guess I need to find another grounding and, um, or just go wild, (laughs) go crazy with it. So yeah, world building versus continuing to draft, just draft on. Usually they're going to go hand in hand. Uh, I mean, they, for me, they always go hand in hand. So I drafted a scene and just like whatever came to mind, I just put down kind of just going, well, you know, I'm going to just power through. And uh, as I'm writing, the ideas will come, which they did. And I think I got some interesting stuff that way, but it does make me feel nervous. And as I as I go forward, I'll have to see how I feel. Like I'm sort of on the edge. I didn't actually write as much as I wanted to yesterday because I had hit this point and I had written like 500 words and finished a scene from the day before. And I did some planning and I did some reorganizing and I have the outline for the next several scenes. But I'm still feeling a little bit wary about stopping to world build versus pushing forward. And, you know, I want to make progress. I want to keep my momentum up. I've been doing really well. I got these 30,000 words in like 
two-ish weeks, a little over two weeks. And I'm at the halfway point. And that's missing a couple of key scenes, but I want to be done with the first draft in two weeks. That's really my my secret goal. And if I stop to world build, then that's definitely not going to happen. But I have to do with the world building at some point, you know, either now or later. But like I said, it could affect things. It could change some trajectories. It could inform the characters and how they approach things and just the mechanics of what they're doing. So it is the eternal question. World build now or world build later? And it's one that I don't have an answer for yet. I will have to take it day by day like I've been doing this entire book and see, you know, I'm having some resistance right now. And I have to just evaluate, just sit with it, I think, uh, sit at the desk and, and try to do another scene and see what comes out and see if the resistance continues and if it feels better to stop and make some decisions or not. For those of you keeping track of the number of POVs in this book, it's back up. So I had cut out or I, th- I had considered cutting or rather I hadn't written. So I figured I was going to cut the male love interests POV. And then I was like, I could do a couple. Like, it's not going to be definitely not 50-50, not 70-30, but I could slip in a few because they would still be really helpful. And so I tried it and it felt so good. I was like, ooh, I got the voice that came to me. His conflict was there. Checking in with him and his POV made a lot of sense. So then, and that was way far into the book. So I was like, even if I only have a few, I need to intersperse them. So is there a way to bring him in earlier? And I drafted a scene like that, and it's very rough, but I think it would work. And so, yeah, I'm going to have at least four or five um, of his POV sprinkled throughout. Now, my main character, my heroine, is first person. He came out third person, which I think is okay. And then I have this other more like fantasy character who is also first person, but she's present tense. And I, I tend to do that. I, I'd like to, to switch up because it helps with the voice. Um, it should be motivated, though. Like, don't do it just to do it. Like, have three POVs from three perspectives and three tenses. Is, I mean, if it works, it works, but not just to have it for the sake of having it. But, you know, this, this fantasy character is first person present because she is like in the moment, you know, like she is very magical and a little bit more mysterious. And so that just felt right from that POV. I did my my heroine first person past because like I've talked about before, you know, when you're doing that, you have to figure out who they're telling the story to. So as a narrative device, which is not like on the page, but it's that I envision her older relaying the story. So she's thinking about the past. And then for Daniel, my male love interest, it just came out in third person. I didn't, uh, I'm open to it being first person past and just labeling it and, you know, and trying to think of what is his voice going to be like? How is it going to be unique? How are you going to really be able to differentiate these three POVs? Um, I just started in third and it, and it, it felt good. Now, I do have a question still about whether I'm going to label the POVs at the head of each scene. So in most times when I'm, you know, if I have a book where it's dual first person, like Savage City or the Angel books, I start off each chapter with who is the narrator, you know, whether it is Talia or Ryan or whoever. And that's normally what I would do. Now, in Earthsinger, they're all third person, so I didn't need to do that. I just tried to make sure at the very beginning, you knew whose perspective you were in, whose head you were in by what was happening and whether someone says their name or just, you know, you know, who's where and what they're doing. With this, 
I am a little hesitant to label the POVs. I think that when it switches, I'm hoping it will be obvious between, you know, Jane's first person past, this magical character's first person present, and then Daniel's third person past. The easiest thing to do would be to label them, but I'm just having some resistance about that. And so, and I can't exactly tell you why. I just think that it would be stronger to not and just rely on the text itself to orient the reader. Now, we'll see what feedback I get if if that's, you know, something that my editor has something to say about or if there's any, you know, beta readers or whatever. Do I have time for beta readers? <laughs> so yeah, those are just some of the things I've been thinking about this week as I've been working through the book and just trying to move forward and get it done. I'm still in a good place, even with the questions that have come up, because I, I know they're always going to be difficulties. I mean, writing is hard. It doesn't stop being hard, ever, I don't think. So it's always something you're going to have to think about and evaluate and figure out what's right, what's right for the story and um, the style. Speaking of multiple POVs, I'm giving a uh, workshop, a masterclass on writing multiple POVs. It's for VirtuousCon, which is an online uh, independent art and sci-fi and fantasy convention. And they usually have, you know, regular cons, but this summer they're doing this masterclass series. And so it's going to be July 24th, 2022. If you would like to sign up, it's virtuouscon.com, and I will put a link in the show notes. And it would be great to have you there if you're interested in taking that class. In other publishing things, um, I had a great meeting with the marketing and publicity folks at Orbit slash Red Hook Books, the publisher for Monsters We Defy, and just hearing what's in the works, what's happening. Um, I'm really excited. You know, it's we're two months out. We're just, you know, two days as I record this past exactly two months. The book comes out August 9th. And there's going to be an in-person launch event in Silver Spring, Maryland. I just updated my events page on my website. Uh, I don't know if I have all of the details yet, but that's the date. It's going to be a limited, since it's in-person and for like COVID protocols, a limited number of people is going to be ticketed. But that stuff is not available yet. So just stay tuned, make sure you're in the newsletter. And then there's going to be at least one online um, event with Sister Sci-Fi, which is an independent bookstore in Philadelphia. And that's going to be an Instagram Live. So things are coming together, posts and interviews, and things I'm going to have to write and promote and do, and graphics to make and all of that. I focus on the graphics. I do need to finish uh, the swag design for the pre-orders and actually put up that the pre-order campaign because we have, you know, you can get signed, personalized books from Loyalty Books, which is the place that we're going to do the in-person launch event. And that's on the website. I will link to that too. And then also just a regular, if you're not going to buy the signed book, uh, regular pre-order campaign. So yes, I need to, and I want to have some of that stuff for a polycon, which is the end of July. Even though the book won't be out officially yet, I will hopefully have my author copies and might do a few giveaways at a polycon or around then. So we'll see. But yeah, lots of stuff happening. <laughs> it's a little bit overwhelming. And I have a long to-do list that keeps getting longer, of course. Like I, I was telling my mastermind folks, I haven't even done my taxes. We got an extension on our taxes this year. And they were like, oh, get them in as soon as possible because there's, you know, fees and things. And every week it's on my to-do list. Like I just have to gather. I'm the one in the household who gathers all of the stuff and makes the spreadsheets and fills out the form for the accountant. And I used to just do the taxes, but it got too complicated because we have multiple 
me and my husband, multiple LLCs and things like that. So I just have to gather it, put it together. And I have not done that yet. And it's on my list and it's June. So I'm hoping sometime soon to have just the brain space and the mental energy. It's, I hate, I hate doing it every year. I hate doing it. And it's not that hard in just a few hours, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we have an accountant, but I still have to prepare everything for them. So anyway, I will stop whining. I just, my to-do list, always so long. So my goals for the coming week, continue writing. I would love to get like 15,000 words this week. It's possible because I did it last week, uh, but we'll see. And yeah, Beastly Kingdom. Have to start working on that. No work happened again this week, which I really wanted to work on it this week. But it will get done. It's in my mind, you know, going through the exercise of writing synopsis for the cover designer two weeks ago, it's there, it, it's germinating. And I think that's what I needed to have happen. Like sometimes things sit in the back of your mind and you have to allow them to grow. You know, like there's a, there's a balance between button share, hands on keyboard and giving yourself space to allow an idea to germinate. And then I have a whole outline. It's not like the idea is not there and kind of fleshed out. But, you know, my outlines are not in any way complete. So there's a lot of things that I don't know. And when I was, when I started drafting a few months ago, I left that knowing that there was something I didn't know. There was a lot I didn't know. So in some ways, getting the start review was for Savage City. Um, I mean, it was validating of that story and that book and, you know, how much I love it, but it's also pressure for the next one because I do think that was great. And I want the second one to be, you know, as good or better. I feel like in my series, I'm, I'm, I keep pushing the envelope. I honestly believe that every book in Arsenio Chronicles, the next book was better than the last. And Requiem is my favorite. And, you know, it's the one the fewest people have read because it's the nature of series, but I think it's, it's my best writing. And I think that. I'm trying to get better with every book. So, but this stuff takes time and I need to give myself time and I need to start procrastinating and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, basically, I have to prioritize it and that is totally on me. And my energy level is back to what I would call normal. So, take advantage of that because, yeah, you never know. Being sick puts it in perspective that, uh, I really can't waste the times when I do have a lot of energy and I, I could add more to my plate. I am always worried about burnout and adding too much and, you know, that sort of cycle. But I know right now where I am, I'm not working as much as I could be. And for me to get this books done, both of these books done, that needs to change. So just about kicking myself in gear and uh, tightening up my organization system. Like I haven't, I haven't done anything with my planner in weeks. Haven't even opened it. It's right now. My planner is turned to May twenty fifth, so that lets you know. And it's in blank. That day was blank. I think the twenty fourth was the last day I wrote anything on it. Actually, May twentieth is the last day I wrote anything in my planner. So yeah, you can see I, I've switched a lot to ClickUp. I've been doing really well with my online system, and that's been super helpful. And it's kind of like the planner I use, the the paper planner, is a redundancy to my online system, just to help me remember everything and have it in multiple places. And that helps me, you know, just organize and make sure I'm not forgetting things. But 
doing the bare minimum and having a strong system that is the bare minimum for those times when I'm not going to be in my planner has been helping me get things done. Like I have been, everything that needs to get done gets done on the day it has to get done. It's just the other stuff that has less concrete deadlines and is more long-term that I'm having trouble with. So I'm giving myself grace, but I also need to kick myself in the pants (laughs) and get more done. So yes, those are, I was supposed to be talking about goals and those are the goals. So that's it for me for this week. And I will talk to you next week. I hope that you have a wonderful week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. And I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.